0: Good morning, everyone. My name is Father Gary Coulter. I'm the director at Our Lady of Good Council Retreat House in Waverly, Nebraska. I'm here to welcome you today for our day of retreat with Father Timothy Gallagher, Overcoming Spiritual Discouragement. As always, you can visit our website and see the schedule of upcoming retreats at GoodCounselRetreat.com. I want to introduce Father Timothy Gallagher, ordained in 1979, as a priest of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, a religious community dedicated to giving retreats according to the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius. Many of you know Father Gallagher from his many books he's written, his many uh, years of giving retreats and talks on spiritual direction and, and the spiritual life. He is a frequent speaker on EWTN and has written eight books on Ignatian discernment and prayer a book on the Liturgy of the Hours, a biography of Venerable Bruno Lanteri, the founder of their order, The Oblates of the Virgin Mary, and now his latest book, which is the topic of our retreat today, Overcoming Spiritual Discouragement, The Wisdom and Spiritual Power of Venerable Bruno Lanteri. So I'm pleased to welcome Father Timothy Gallagher.
1: Thanks, Father Gary. And uh, it seems a little funny to be saying welcome when we're at such a distance, but. It is a wonderful thing. you know. I uh, did my seminary years in Rome and uh, it was always nice when we would um, hear the Holy Father give, let's say his Easter greeting or those sorts of things. And you'd hear the uh, crawlet next to him announce that all of those who were connected via television would also receive the blessing. It's nice to be part of that way now of being together in the Lord in these unusual circumstances. So with Father Gary, I'll say, to. And um, the picture that you're seeing on the screen is uh, venerated up in the city of Turin in northern Italy. It's Our Lady of Consolation, La Consolata in Italian. And it is venerated in this shrine in the city of Turin. You can see the interior of the shrine here. And in the center, uh, to the upper part of your screen in the center, In the background, you can see where the image is venerated there. And this, I I begin with this because this was an image that was very dear to Venerable Bruno Lanteri, whose teaching we'll be sharing. He would have prayed many times, celebrated Mass many times in that shrine. And this would have been close to him uh, because Mary, obviously, was so uh, so important. um, Had such a warm place in his heart. And so I'd like all to invite all of us together as we begin, each of us in our homes or apartments or wherever we are in these unusual days, seeking the Lord, to lift our hearts together to Mary. And I want to use the word that St. John Paul II used so often that it almost became something new in the church's relationship with Mary. I say almost because it was there. But by the frequency with which he repeated this, uh, he certainly brought it to the fore. And that is, he would entrust things to Mary, anything of importance in his life and in the life of the church. Our present pope does this in his own way as well. As we're probably aware, he will stop in the church of St. Mary Major before and after his trips. And so I'd like to invite us to place in Mary's heart to entrust to her the desires that brought us together today, the time that we'll spend together, the technology that uh, unites us that all go well that way as well. Uh, with great confidence that placed in her mother's heart, what we do today will be a real source of grace and will really help us to overcome any discouragement that uh, may have touched our hearts or be touching our hearts in any way and that of the people with whom we interact. So. I'd like to invite us to put all of that entrustment into prayer by saying the Hail Mary with all of that meaning. If you'd join me. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. Now, this is our theme, uh, in the teaching of Venerable Bruno Lanteri, overcoming spiritual discouragement. And you may have noticed that I have uh, deliberately chosen a larger font size for the word overcoming, because that's what our whole um, topic will be, uh, how we can move beyond that in our spiritual lives. Now, a word on how I'm going to speak of the one who in his own life was known as Father Bruno Lanteri, uh, and who we refer to today as Venerable Bruno Lanteri. I'm gonna speak of him as Venerable Bruno. And a word on this uh, title, Venerable. This comes from the cause of canonization. So the process is this, when, when the church uh, ac- accepts the fact that, it, that a certain person has lived a, a holy enough life so that it, 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 the church wants to begin the process of canonization and the cause is officially introduced, that person becomes a servant of God. When uh, the church then, usually some years are involved, the church then begins an in-depth study of the person's life and writings. And when the church comes to the conclusion that this person's writings are without error and that this person lived a life of not just holiness, but of really heroic holiness, heroic love of God, heroic faith, Um, heroic hope and all the other virtues, then the church formally declares that this person is venerable. For beatification, a miracle, uh, confirmed miracle, attested material, miracle certified medically and attributed to the intercession of this person, when that's verified, the church proceeds to the beatification, the person is blessed, And when a second miracle is verified, the church is then uh, names this person a saint. In 1965, St. Paul VI declared Bruno Lanteri venerable, which means that we're dealing with a man whose cause of canonization is well advanced. The church has recognized the richness of his writings and has also uh, certified that this was a man who lived lived a life of heroic holiness. So I'm gonna speak of him as venerable, Bruno as we go forward. Now, this is the title of the book that Father Gary mentioned, um, which was published last year. You know, it's a funny thing. When you write a book, you're you're so engaged in uh, shaping the contents, in um, organizing the chapters, in writing sentences that uh, flow well, that are um, understandable for the reader, just getting all of these things right. And in some sense, you don't, have the same experience that the reader does of simply picking up a book and allowing it to penetrate your heart and your mind. Last fall, I did that when I was preparing for a presentation like that we're doing today. It was the first time I can say this, that I read the book. And I found Venerable Bruno's teaching uh, touching my heart very deeply moved uh, even to tears at times. And in the course of that reading, realized something that I hadn't seen even in the, in the crafting and the writing of the book itself. The reason why I found this so moving and why people were so drawn to Venerable Bruno in his own life and still, as this teaching is shared, shared uh, today, the same thing is happening. I'll just say parenthetically, the book came out, I think, in October of last year. Since then, almost all of my presentations have been based on this teaching. People just seem to want more and more of it. But the deep reason why people are drawn to Venerable Bruno, I think, is this. He knows that deep place in our hearts. Now, I wanna speak reverently here, but I believe it's true to say that deep down in all of us is a place that is afraid. Now, we we meet each other and uh, we say, hi, how are you, shake hands, whatever. Uh, Fine, good, yeah, how are things? Good, things are fine. And all of that is appropriate. Those are the social proprieties. But in settings, when we feel free to really feel and maybe even share what is most deeply in our hearts, I may say it again reverently, I believe it true to say that there is a place in all of us that is afraid, and however whatever the nuances are going to be in our individual lives, the sense is that, Lord, you would want me to be here, but I'm here. Uh, I haven't responded to you. I don't respond to you as fully as you would want. I don't use my time well. I'm more self-indulgent than I should be. I miss opportunities to reach out in love or to give a helping hand to other people who need it whatever the nuances somewhere deep in every human heart is a place that is afraid. Venerable Bruno knows that place. reverences that place approaches it with great sensitivity, a sensitivity, which is really, um, just a, a human image of the way Jesus approached that place in human hearts, as we see him throughout the gospels. Reverence is that place. And not only that, but shows us a way out, a way forward, a way out of discouragement, a way out of fear. This is my image. Here is, let's say, a young girl, let's say elementary school age. And we'll say that she's acted out at school and relative to her age, something pretty serious. And word has gotten home to her father. And she is returning home now. She's dropped off. There's the walk in front of her, the front door of her house. And she knows that her father is inside that door waiting for her. And she's afraid. She goes up the walk, reaches the door, stands, hesitates, finally opens the door and goes in. And there is her father. And her father doesn't say a word. He simply approaches her, hugs her tightly, and says, I love you. Now she can tell him everything. That in an image is everything that Venerable Bruno will want to share to us as we're going to go through the day. And it struck me, you know, I've spent years now um, reading the writings of Venerable Bruno, his letters, um, really as much as you can do. But when you write a biography of someone, you get to know that person pretty intensely. I dedicated years of my studies to getting to know him. But Uh, More recently he spent five years writing his biography and you get very close to someone in that way. And something dawned on me after a while and that is that if people opened up this deep place of discouragement of fear in their hearts, if they opened it up to Venerable Bruno it's because they knew it was safe to do it. They knew that what they would share would be reverenced, would be held um, kind of sacred Uh, would be understood and then again as i say he would help them to find a way out of it let's keep this very clear from the start jesus did not come that you and i should be held hostage to this kind of spiritual discouragement he came as he says in luke chapter 4 in the synagogue to set captives free now the way we're going to approach this at least initially of this morning is through looking at some letters of spiritual direction Much spiritual direction in Venerable Bruno's day was done through letters because travel was so much more difficult than today. So that uh, people would meet in person with a spiritual director when it was possible. But a lot of it was done through letter, which is lovely for us because we have these letters uh, today. Uh, And that's what we're gonna be taking a a look at here. And specifically some letters to this woman, Gabriela Solaro de la Margarita. And let's look at who Gabriella was. Uh, Gabriella had a first marriage. We don't know the exact year. But my guess would be probably when she was maybe 1920. Things happened earlier in life in those days, and that marriage was short-lived because her husband died, and there were no children from the first marriage. She remarried, and this was her lifelong marriage with uh, her husband Clemente. A word on Clemente. And I'm gonna take this description of her husband Clemente from a biography of Gabriella and Clemente's son also called Clemente after his father. And their son's great nephew wrote a biography of his great uncle who is as we'll see was well known in Italian history. Um, and that's where we get this description of both Clemente and then in a moment, Gabriella. Interestingly enough, There, This great nephew was one of the witnesses in the cause of canonization of Venerable Bruno. Clemente was a faithful husband, uh, somewhat closed emotionally, didn't easily express emotion. He was a poor administrator. In fact, he would leave most of this to Gabriella, who was quite capable. Um, uh, Often absent from the family, sometimes for months at a time, his great passion as far as relaxation was hunting. He was a variable character, up, down, in and out. He was prone to spend too much. He was a pleasant companion. People just enjoyed being with him, uh, chatting, spending time with him. And he was somebody who too much avoided responsibility, things like the family property and finances, which again, all of this fell essentially on Gabriella's shoulders. Gabriella and Clemente had six children The first two boys, the older two, Carlo and Vittorio died at a very early age. Now, uh, this was common at the time, infant mortality was much higher than than today. If you think, for example, of the family of St. Therese of the child Jesus, that would be about 60 years later. Uh, Four of the nine children died at an early age, three in the first year of life and one at age five. So um, the first two children that Gabriella and Clemente have die in this way. The third child Clemente is the one who became famous. Uh, Clemente became a, um, a member of the government of their small nation in Italy and he was for 10 years what was called the Minister of Foreign Affairs which would be the equivalent of our Secretary of State today. And uh, this is Italy in venerable bruno's time it was not the unified country that we know it to be today but as you can see it was a hodgepodge of little kingdoms and duchies and republics and the uh, kingdom there to the to the left and the upper part of italy uh, is the was known as the kingdom of piedmont and you can see it's that northwestern corner of italy shaded yellow and uh, linked with it is the island of sardinia now that piece of land up there in the northwestern corner of Italy, uh, Piedmont as it's called, in terms of size was about maybe the size of Vermont and New Hampshire put together. So this was a pretty small little kingdom. But uh, Clemente was for 10 years in the government of this kingdom and later wrote a book about it, which is well known in the history of uh, of Italy. I've highlighted his name there. And you can see it, and the title in translation is Historical Political Memorandum. Clemente's great nephew, when he uh, served as a witness in the cause of canonization for Venerable Bruno, attested that the family had always understood that not only Clemente's mother, Gabriella, but also her son Clemente, was spiritually directed by Venerable Bruno in the years when Clemente did his studies in Turin, where Venerable Bruno resided. And uh, I think it's quite clear that that's the case. Venerable Bruno, um, sorry, Bruno, Clemente was a faithful Catholic in the political world in times very similar to our own when it took courage to do that. And he was openly and faithful, uh, faithfully a Catholic during that time which is one of the hallmarks of those who were spiritually guided by Venerable Bruno in these very difficult years for the church. Course, Clemented uh, was then loved by some because of this, and um, was vilified by others because of that. The next two children, Giuseppina and Gabriella, were twins. Giuseppina became a religious sister. Gabriella married. And then uh, Enrico also um, died at an early age. My guess would be probably about six, seven, eight, something like that. Now it's enough just to look at the at, the children to see that life was a mixture of joy and sorrow for Gabriella. Let's get a, a feel for the times in which Gabriella lives because this has a lot to say in understanding the spiritual guidance Venerable Bruno gives her. She lived to be 71. You can see she lived in the last three decades of the 18th century and first four of the 19th, tumultuous years. In 1789 when Gabriella was 18 the French Revolution exploded in nearby France. So you can see that France is the big, it was the most powerful country in Europe during these times, culturally and later on, and politically as well. And the French Revolution explodes in nearby France with the storming of the Bastille when Gabriela is 18. And you can see there's only a very thin barrier between France and this little much smaller country of Piedmont uh, nestling up against it. And in fact, seven years later, when Gabriella is now 25 years old, the French Revolution um, invades her little kingdom of Piedmont. Napoleon, and this is Napoleon's, uh, the time when Napoleon emerges on the international scene. Napoleon takes an army across the border and in a matter of days defeats this much smaller kingdom of Piedmont. And with this, the French Revolution and all that it means pours into the kingdom of Piedmont. And that means the suppression of religious orders to simply play put on the street. It means the closing of seminaries. Uh, it means a, a heavy hand of oppression and persecution on the church. Uh, during these years, the following years, and before 1815, uh, Pope Pius VII, now the servant of God, Pius VII, is forcibly taken prisoner by Napoleon and held under arrest for the next five years until Napoleon's fall. So Gabriella lives through these tumultuous times, times of great uh, suffering and struggle and difficulty for the church. When she is 43 years old, Napoleon is defeated and she lives the last um, close to 30 years of her life in the uneasy piece of what's known as the Restoration. But she goes through all of this. This is an image, if you could see the writing, it's an image uh, in the French Revolution of monks and nuns being forcibly evicted from their monasteries. She witnesses all of this through the years, almost 20 years of the French occupation of her nation. So these were not easy times. And in fact, uh, her own family was, was touched uh, by this. When the French invaded her nation of, of Piedmont, they were evicted from the family property. It was taken over by the French army. And when they were able to return some 18 years later, uh, the great nephew says in his biography that the only thing the French could have done to damage the proper property uh, even more would have been to simply burn the house down completely. Everything was damaged, all that could be stolen was stolen, and Gabriella would have the, the, uh, the weight of re-entering and rebuilding, re-establishing the family property. Gabriella herself now, as described in Clemente's great, um, in the great nephew's biography of Clemente, she was a woman of interior strength, with something virile about her. So this was a strong woman, a capable woman, a leader. She could make things happen. High-minded, energetic, sure of herself, accustomed to lead and to make decisions. In Some sense, she seems like the right person for very tumultuous and difficult times. Of a meditative nature, reflective, thoughtful, uh, strong, severe in character with a particular modesty, a good heart under a cold exterior. She didn't easily show emotion. Um, She couldn't easily show tenderness or warmth steadfast of will. So she would see what needed to be done, she would determine to do it, and she would not easily give way until the goal was accomplished. Inclined to the good. This was a good woman, a woman of faith, a woman who loved the Lord. But the great nephew says, a little impatient, almost sharp. And that's understandable, I think, in a woman who is this capable, this sharp, this quick. in dealing, let's say, with others who hesitate more, are less sure of themselves. Uh, Firm and sincere in her judgments, but often too exclusive and narrow in them. She would tend to see things a certain way, judge that it was this way, and it would not be easy for her to see a different point of view. Severe in her behavior and tastes, yet with a great pride in her parentage, uh, very proud of her family and social position, hardly balanced by a Christian sense of humility. Now, uh, one time when I went through this uh, with a group, we got to this point and uh, a woman uh, spoke and said, you know, we, we are familiar with letters of spiritual direction uh, to saints. So for example, St. Francis de Sales, letters of spiritual direct, direction to St. Jean de Fon- to Chantal. But she said, what I really like about this is that Venerable Bruno here is writing to people like us. And I thought she was really right with this. Uh, Yes, people like us, good people, people who love the Lord, who have their limitations and their struggles and sincerely want to love and serve the Lord with this wonderful, difficult mix of what it means to be human. And uh, I think that's why people feel as I think you'll see it too, as we go through these letters of Venerable Bruno to Gabriella, we'll have a sense that he's speaking to us because in a sense, he really is. Uh, Gabriella, with her individual characteristics in a sense, but in a very real sense, I think stands for every man, every woman. All right, so let's uh, begin to look at these letters of spiritual direction. And uh, if you take the handout, and this is right at the beginning on page one of the handout, you can follow along. If you'd rather just listen, I'm going to be reading the text, but it might be nice if you have it available to take the text in hand so we can go through this together. So he writes at this point, my lady and my daughter in Jesus Christ, your letter just arrived. As I say, a lot of this direction was done by letter probably um, just a guess from reading the correspondence, I would guess that uh, Venerable Bruno and Gabriella met in person maybe once a year. Uh, occasionally, travels might make it a little bit more frequently and maybe sometimes not even in a year. So the actual um, meetings would have been much less than the regular correspondence of so spiritual direction. Your letter just arrived. I was glad to receive it and it gave me real joy. Now, this is one thing you'll always see in Venerable Bruno. He always leads with the heart. This is is where everything begins. I was glad um, to receive your letter, it gave me real joy. This is one thing that people sensed when they interacted with uh, Venerable Bruno or sought his spiritual help. This is not a man who is simply even doing his best to try to fulfill a duty, but this is a man who is in a sense all in, whose heart is is here, uh, who interacts with all that he is. There's a sense of caring. Um, This is really important to him. Their joys and their sorrows uh, awaken corresponding joys and sorrows in him. And so that's the way he begins here. I was glad to receive your letter and it gave me real joy. I am happy to hear that your trip went well and that your whole family is in good health. Now, if we were to stop the letter right there, uh, this could be a letter from any friend or family member to another friend or family member. Um, I was really happy to hear from you. I'm glad to know that uh, whatever, in this case, travels or occupations you've had recently have gone well. And um, I'm just happy to know that everybody's uh, doing fine. Everybody's well physically, everybody's in good health. So, this is another key element in the spiritual direction of Venerable Bruno. He never Moves beyond without recognizing the human. He'll always start with the human and recognize the human. He's simply glad to know that, humanly speaking, things are well with Gabriella and her family. Now, Gabriella has evidently asked his advice on the following question. A young girl, Louisa, has been entrusted to her care. It's not one of her daughters. So, my guess would be that this might be a niece or someone from the larger family who has, for whatever need, uh, reason, needed uh, help. And Gabriella has been asked to assist her and she is trying to, to, to clarify what the best way to help this young girl would be. And she's asked venerable Bruno about one option. I see no reason why you may not entrust your little Louise to your dear sister, the Lady Countess Vidua. She could not be in better hands. And the reasons for doing so are many, in my view, you may do this with total peace of heart. And then he continues, and it gives me greater happiness still. So if it gives him joy, real joy, uh, just humanly speaking, to know that things are well at the moment with Gabriella and her family, there's something that gives him a deeper and greater joy. And, And you can see that fairly quickly, this is where he moves in the letter. This is the spiritual level because this is what is most dear. His heart, how things are spiritually for her. It gives me greater happiness still to know that Father Ferrero is already there with you. Now, what that means is that the Eucharist is now available to Gabriella in a way that it wasn't before. Um, if you visit Italy, I was blessed to do all of my seminary and some years as a priest there. If you ever drive through the countryside or these small of of Italy, Northern Italy in this case. What you'll see is that there are many chapels uh, scattered through the area. You're never too far from at least a small church somewhere. And uh, many of the larger properties had their own chapels. This is the uh, second picture you see here is a small chapel in a country property that Venerable Bruno had for most of his life. It was the place where he went when he needed to get away He also had it restructured so that he could give retreats there and many people came for those. And um, built into the property is this small chapel which can seat maybe about uh, 10, maybe at the most crowded 15 people. So what Venerable Bruno is recognized, what gives him such happiness is to know that a priest has come into the area who will celebrate mass either at a nearby chapel or if Gabriella and the family has this kind of small chapel on the property even closer at hand. What it means is that the Eucharist is now available to her. Now note, by the way, that in his spiritual direction, where does he begin? He begins with the Holy Eucharist, which I know um, means a lot to us right now in in the circumstances in which we're living. Even uh, this morning as I speak here in Denver from where I'm speaking. Uh, the first Masses are resuming. Today is the first day that Mass is uh, permitted again in the churches, and this weekend will be the first um, weekend with Sunday Masses. So there's, there's a kind of uh, energy here right now at the moment. And uh, so I want to speak with reverence now about the Holy Eucharist, reverencing the, the struggle and the difficulty that it's meant not to have access to the Eucharist in these weeks. So I'm speaking certainly for, for right now. Please God, there's a Eucharistic thirst that's awakened in our hearts in the new and blessed way. And as the Eucharist in at a different rhythm in different places, but as it begins to be available again, um, we can experience that grace in a new and rich way. Um, but I'm also, of course, speaking for the future because this situation will pass in God's, in God's time and perhaps sooner. Uh, than it might have seemed maybe even some weeks ago. So the first thing that he emphasizes for Gabriella is the Eucharist. So now now Mass is available to you, Mass and Holy Communion. So he says, it is important then, what's important? To begin immediately to arrange with him for receiving communion and to do so as often as you can. Now I want to highlight these two words because these are key in the spiritual guidance of Venerable Bruno. It is important then to begin. And when? Immediately. To begin and begin immediately. Which is to say, if you sense that God is calling upon you, and it's clear to you that God is calling upon you to let something go that is not good for you spiritually, even more, to undertake some step to grow in the spiritual life, that you've sensed the Lord is calling you to, and that you know will be helpful. And what Venerable Bruno will say warmly, insistently, is begin, don't wait. And begin when? Begin immediately, begin now, don't wait. And we're gonna see this come back over and over again. So what is it important to begin immediately to do? To arrange with Father Federo to receive communion and to do so as often as you can. Now. Today, uh, that easily speaks to us of mass during the week, daily mass when that's possible. Uh, But in the time, it was something pretty uh, unusual. We're familiar with the term the Easter duty, which uh, said that at least once a year, people should receive Holy Communion, which is an indication of how seldom many people did receive Holy Communion. Frequent communion was not encouraged uh, at this time. This comes later with St. Pius X and and all that follows. So for Venerable Bruno to say to Gabriella, um, yes, you're a busy mother with four children and property and many things to handle. And of course, you're not going to be able to get to mass every day. Let's reverence that. Let's recognize that. But as often as you can, and that's without strain or stress, but as often as you can during the week, Try to get to Mass and receive Holy Communion, and that's important. So, if today were to go no further than this, and we were to hear in our hearts an invitation, a warm invitation from the Lord, maybe mediated through Venerable Bruno, to draw closer to the Eucharist, then this day will have already borne its richest fruit. There is nothing you and I can do. To get closer to God, to grow in freedom from our failings and sinfulness, and just to fall in love with God more deeply and live richer lives of service of God. There is nothing richer we can do than to get close and closer to the Holy Eucharist. Again, as often as we can, when the Bruno says, this is without strain or stress. And obviously, because as the Second Vatican Council teaches, because the Eucharist is the source and summit of the Christian life, both words are, are really key. Do you need strength in your spiritual life? Do we feel the need for more faith and hope and love and courage? This is the source of, all, of it all because it's Christ and his death and resurrection. And this is the high point, the summit, we pray, We serve God, we live our respective vocations of marriage, single condition, priestly, religious life. But the summit of the whole of the spiritual life is the Eucharist, because again, it is Christ. The closer we draw to the Eucharist, the richer, the warmer, the more joyful, and the more fruitful our spiritual lives will become. And that's why Venerable Bruno begins right here with Gabriella. And please, God, as our churches reopen, we'll find ourselves drawn now in a new way to get close to the Eucharist. Mass, when we can get there now, and communion, and quiet prayer before the Blessed Sacrament. People uh, who assisted St. John Paul II's daily Mass uh, were also there as he would pray before the Mass. He was just, as it were, oblivious to them, just immersed in prayer before the Blessed Sacrament. Um, it's such a rich thing, and it's so good to, to know now that the churches are beginning to reopen, and this will be available to us. He continues, you must be consistently faithful, so let's note those words, consistently faithful to what? to meditation and to spiritual reading, if it be only a quarter of an hour of meditation and a single page of spiritual reading. So meditation, Venerable Bruno invites this busy woman with four children and a household and all the, um, everything that's happening in the culture and everything around her, he invites her to spend some time every day in meditation. Reflective time when we're drinking in the truths of our faith, the Word of God nourished in this way. Our Catholic spiritual tradition is so rich. We have so many different ways of meditating, and my warm invitation following Venerable Bruno would be probably, I'm sure many of us uh, participating today, we already know the way that helps us to meditate. There's great freedom in this Uh, What is best is just to get to know the church's tradition, the ways of meditation, and then we'll find the one that works best for us, and then we're home. There's great freedom in this. So Lectio Divina, which comes out of the monastic tradition, many people love this, and it's a slow, reflective, repeated reading of texts until things speak to our hearts, and then we spend quiet time allowing God to break open that word to us personally. The rosary. Uh, In this month of May, we are probably well aware that Pope Francis has invited the whole church in in a warm way to pray the rosary daily, throughout this month at least, and describes the rosary in a lovely way. In the rosary, we contemplate the face of Christ with the heart of Mary. Well known that John Paul II loved the rosary. You can see all the pictures of him as he's walking outdoors someplace with rosary in hand. Um, St. John the 23rd prayed the, the full rosary every day, and it was the fundamental prayer that was the source of his holiness, his personal prayer. The rosary is a lovely way to pray. The Liturgy of the Hours, which the church warmly recommends to all in the church, not just priests and nuns, but also to lay people. So for example, to pray morning prayer or evening prayer from the Liturgy of the Hours. And Ignatian meditation and contemplation, meditation, reflection on the meaning of the words and contemplation is the imaginative approach when we kind of imaginatively enter the scene, we're there and we watch it unfold and on and on and on, endless books and ways of praying that the church has. So he invites this busy woman and all of us to find some time every day for meditation. Now, sometimes I think this letter is almost like um, the way St. Thomas Aquinas writes in his Summa Theologica, you know, his questions, uh, where first he'll say, well, what what is the truth of this particular issue? Is it this? And then he'll give all the objections, the reasons why um, that wouldn't be the truth explains what the truth is, and then gives the answer to the objections. It's almost that kind of approach here implicitly. Because what will be in Gabriella's heart, and perhaps in many of the hearts of many of us listening, is uh, that's fine for priests and nuns uh, who have a regular schedule and get up and can have an hour in church and so on. But I don't have an hour that I can just go off and pray. I have children. I I have work. I have demands on my time, emails, phone calls. Life is so busy, I don't have time. And Gabriella can very legitimately say this to Venerable Bruno when he's asking her to be consistently faithful to meditation. And he reverences that. you have already had a glimpse of that in the fact that he tells her, even as regards going to mass, just as often as you can, don't push beyond what's what's possible without strain. So he's going to reverence the fact that she isn't a monk or a nun, that she's a busy woman with children and a household. And so he says to her, Can you find 15 minutes? You must be consistently faithful to meditation if it be only a quarter of an hour each day, 15 minutes. So, can you find 15 minutes? You don't have an hour, but can you find 15 minutes in the course of a day? Let's each of us answer that question. And I would imagine that all of us will say, Yes. I may not be able easily to find an hour, but I can probably find 15 minutes for that kind of reflection and delving into the word of God, the scriptures and the truths of our faith that we call meditation. What will happen if we do that? Many of us I'm sure are doing that and we know the fruitfulness of it. I'm just remembering my own parents at this point who prayed the family rosary every day. And from a large family, uh, they were both pretty busy. Uh, Sometimes the only way that My mom could say the rosary would be in the car as we were driving someplace or going to shop or or whatever, but every day she would do it. Can you find 15 minutes for some kind of meditative prayer every day? And today we have many means. Uh, We're so blessed today. Of course, modern technology creates its problems, but look at what we're doing right now. And as regards the life of prayer, it can be used in a lovely way that was never possible before, which in busy lives expands widely the space in which we can find those 15 minutes or more or less depending on our individual circumstances in life. So of course, um, this is the classic way of taking the scriptures or another spiritual book and slowly reading podcasts, apps, um, so that you can... Meditate while you're, um, if you have no other way to do it, uh, while you're commuting to work, listening to a talk or a podcast, while you're exercising, uh, while you're working, but your mind can be free. Catholic television and Catholic websites and YouTube and so forth. There is such a richness of ways now, and there is so much rich spiritual nourishment that is available to us not only visually, but also also audially. we can listen now um, so that the spaces for prayer have amplified 15 minutes. Can we find that each day? And then he invites her to spiritual reading and to do this every day as well, so that we spend some time each day taking in nourishment from classic sources or well-written spiritual books. And here's the same objection. It would be wonderful to do that, but this is my life. I wish I had time just to sit down and read. But how can I do spiritual reading when my life is so, so pressured and so packed and so busy? Again, Venerable Bruno references the truth of this in Gabriella's life and in ours. And so he says to her, can you read a single page? Can you read one page every day? And again, the answer is probably yes. Yes, I I probably can read one page every day. And again, we have all the wide range of ways in which we can do this. Could you listen to 10 minutes of a Catholic podcast while you're out walking or exercising or while you're driving Uh, or while you're uh, just vacuuming or cleaning or taking care of the yard. So many different ways in which we can do this. And if we do, what happens is we're taking in new spiritual nourishment every day. And what's going to happen now is that between that meditation and that spiritual reading, there's going to always be a newness, nourishment. Our spiritual lives will not get old and feel dry, but there'll be a freshness, a youth. Uh, I used to love to see, uh, actually... It was right at Waverly uh, at the retreat house uh, where Father Gary is right now. Uh, an elderly Jesuit priest, elderly at the time, Father Ralph Drendel. And he and I at times would be there giving retreats together. And uh, I would walk by his, his door going down the hall toward the, um, toward the cafeteria area. And you'd always see the same thing. You'd see him sitting at his desk reading or writing. And I talked to him about it once. He said, that's what keeps you young. And he's he's really right, it does keep the uh, the spiritual life alive and fresh in a very beautiful way. All right, the next thing is the examination of conscience. Uh, We'll do just a little bit more here, and then we'll move toward our break. Um, So he says, you must be consistently faithful to meditation, 15 minutes, spiritual reading, one page. Um, and the same also for the examination of conscience which you can do while you are working. The examination of conscience sometimes we use a little different vocabulary today for it and call it the examined prayer. It's the exercise of prayer in each day in which for a few minutes we review the spiritual experience of the day with the Lord. There is a big difference in the spiritual life between a spiritual life in which things simply just happen. Uh, you know, like you, you, you put something in, in, a, in a stream and it just floats along with the stream. A big difference between that kind of approach to the spiritual life and the spiritual life in which at least for a few minutes every day, probably toward the evening part of the day, um, but whenever it's possible for us, we sit down with the Lord and with the Lord, we review the spiritual experience of the day it makes a big difference. I'll, I'll just say it's something I've become very grateful for in my own spiritual life now, um, because it really does make a big difference, both in giving you a sense of the, of the day as it's drawing to its close and preparing you for the next day. So Venerable Bruno invites Gabriella to make this examination of conscience every day. Same objection, so to speak. My life is so busy. How am I ever gonna get time to do this uh, with children and and occupations and so forth. And so he says to her, you can do this examination of conscience if you have no other time to do it. You can do it while your hands are busy, but your mind is free. So maybe toward the end of the day, the children are asleep. There are final things to get ready. And she's busy about them. And uh, Chip doesn't have to give them much thought, their routine, Uh, use that time now Lift up your heart to God, and with God, review the day. Make that examine, that examination of conscience. We read in the life of now Saint Marie of the Incarnation, French-Canadian saint, that when she was a young girl in France, she was sitting at one point in, at home and just watching her mother as her mother went about the activity of the day in the house. And she noticed that her mother's lips were just softly moving. She was praying. That's exactly what Venerable Bruno is speaking about here. Uh, You can make this review of the day, this examine with the Lord, um, even while your hands are busy, but your mind can be free. All right, let's summarize the program then. So what he is saying to her is, get as close to the Holy Eucharist as you can. Again, unpressured. But if you can get to Mass and communion during the week, once, twice, daily, get as close to the Eucharist as you can. Pray before the Eucharist if it's something that's possible for you. Find 15 minutes in the course of your day for some form of meditative prayer. Choose a solid way of doing this, one that you love that helps you to pray, and be consistently faithful to that every day. Do one page of spiritual reading every day, or the equivalent in terms of listening to a podcast and so forth. And do the examine prayer, the examination of conscience, if no other time is available while you're working, while your hands are busy, but your mind can be free. You know, I uh, posted this on Facebook before Lent, and the uh, responses were really interesting. But I'd say you can sum them up in the response of one person who said, that's doable. And she's right. That really is doable. That's something you can do. And this is one of the hallmarks of Venerable Bruno's spiritual guidance. Let it be solid, well-centered, choose solid practices, choose a sustainable amount of time. And once you've chosen them, be consistently faithful. Do it every day. And if you do that, wonderful things are gonna happen in your spiritual life. Look at Gabriella's children, by the way. You know, her son who was a politician, a faithful Catholic politician in very difficult times, a daughter who became a nun and another who raised a family. Fruits come from this when we live this way. Her spiritual direction from Venerable Bruno certainly made a difference in her life and in the life of her children. All right, let's just start one last piece here and then we'll move toward the break. What about the rest of the day? Because there we're not speaking about um, too much of the day. What about all the rest of the busy hours of the day? And so he says to her, do not forget to raise your heart frequently, but gently and with peace to God. Do not forget to raise your heart frequently, often throughout the day, lift up your heart Gently and with peace to God. I was um, listening to a talk by a priest who mentioned a conversation he had with an abbot of a monastery. And he had been this, this abbot had been sent to a new monastery. And um, he called the monks together when he arrived. And he said, I'd like to ask all of you, seven times a day, this is outside the formal times of prayer in church, just in the activity of the day, seven times a day to stop for one minute, to do nothing other than simply lift up your hearts to God in praise and adoration and communion with the Lord. And the abbot said that when a year had passed, they were all contemplatives. Now this is what Venerable Bruno in her different vocation is encouraging Gabriella to do throughout the course of the day. And it's gonna be much easier now because of these formal times of prayer she's building into every day. Raise your heart frequently to God, but as he says, gently and with peace. Now note those two words, gently and with peace. These are other key traits of the spiritual direction of Venerable Bruno. When you shape your spiritual life and live your spiritual life, these qualities should be present. What you do should be done gently and with peace. If, for example, you go to Galatians 5.25 and look at the fruits of the Holy Spirit, you'll see these gently. And with peace, you'll see those um, listed amongst the the signs, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. So if any one of us is undertaking or considering undertaking uh, an additional practice or uh, service or so forth that uh, can only be done at the cost of great, stress and pressure and white knuckling. If I can add this additional thing, I can get up this much earlier and do by squeezing out the last bit of exhausted energy that my humanity has. If I can undertake this, add that, but there's a sinking in my heart that says that I can only do this when everything goes smoothly and I know that unexpected things are always gonna happen. And know that God's not asking that. What you do, Venerable Bruno says to her, and this goes for his whole program of spiritual life, as you've seen, do it gently and with peace. Lift up your heart frequently to God, raise your heart frequently to God, gently and with peace, but raise it up to God throughout the course of the day. Um, All right, I think let's uh, let's take our break at this point. So we'll have about a 10 minute break here and uh, I'll, send the screen over to uh, Father Gary, just get some movement, drink water, whatever you need. And uh, we'll be back in 10 minutes to resume.